sometimes a disproportionate amount of good can come from small beginnings. A single act of kindness, for example, can change the whole course of a person's life. This morning's gospel is the well-loved story, The Feeding of the 5,000. And this story must have had uh, special value uh, in the early church because it's the only miracle story, apart from the resurrection, that appears in all four gospels. But at its core, it's about the identity of Jesus and the disproportionate difference he can make in the lives of people. When Pip and I toured Israel a few years ago, we went to the Golan Heights. This is the territory in the northeast of Israel, which borders Lebanon and Syria. And it was in this very area that the feeding of the 5,000 took place. Jesus and his disciples were exhausted after a long period of ministry, so they traveled east over the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee to this hilly area seeking respite. But we're told in verse 5 that Jesus looked up and saw a huge crowd uh, coming towards him. Now, all the verbs in Greek in the verse 2 are in the present continuous tense. Uh, so we're meant to understand that the crowds kept following Jesus because they kept seeing the signs that he continually did. There's this feeling that Jesus had been giving out continually so much that he was emotionally and spiritually and physically exhausted. But still, the crowds kept coming. So imagine Jesus fatigued, trying to get away from the demanding crowds, looking up to realize that some people had actually followed him and were beginning to close in around him in their tens and then hundreds and thousands, men, women, and children. Now, if it was me, I would have felt just plain annoyed, I think. Not more people, Lord. I've just come back from study leave and look at them all. Just kidding. Not more people. God, I need some me time. That's what many people would say these days. Can't you just make them go away? But to my shame, Jesus' attitude was completely different. His very first thought was not for his own needs, but for the needs of the people. He said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? To just dwell on that for a moment. The incarnate Son of God had compassion for people in their need. God feels for the practical needs of people today. Today is Social Services uh, Sunday, and we're reminded that ever since that day on the hills overlooking Galilee, the church has understood that if God is concerned for the needs of people, then we should be too. One of the highlights of my study leave was being welcomed at St. James Kerikeri. And the warmth of our welcome was matched by their commitment to reaching out and serving their community. They split firewood to raise funds for the Fred Hollows Foundation. They collected stamps for Anglican missions, and they sponsored a reading program for children in a nearby rural school. You see, Jesus, because Jesus looked at the crowds and saw the needs of the people ever since, Christians all over our country and indeed the world have been doing the same thing. What happened next? Well, uh, Jesus asked Philip about buying bread. But the very next verse explains that Jesus said this to test, and I would put in brackets, to strengthen Philip's faith. Because he already Jesus already knew what he was going to do. But I want you to first notice that the most obvious thing uh, is that Jesus 
knew what he was going to do. You see, God was not without his plans. Um, We are part of God's great purposes in this world. And through his spirit and through his church, God is carrying forward his plans in the world. God is not without ideas. God is not without his plans. During our time in Auckland, I was able to do a lot of running. And on one occasion, I went down Keeper Road toward Oreki Basin and ran past the church we used to attend in the 90s when I was at college. And to my dismay, I realized that it was boarded up. It was shut. The congregation dwindled, obviously, and it was shut down. Now, depending on what you focus on, you may think that the future of the church is rather bleak because we've all heard of stories like that around the country. But God is not without his plans, you see. God, by his spirit, will continue to move in the hearts of people. And God's church will grow strong again, albeit maybe in different ways and forms. So Jesus had compassion on the people and Jesus had plans. The next thing to notice is that those plans involved his disciples. How so? Well, Andrew found a young lad who had five loaves and two fish. Jesus also asked the disciples to make the the people sit down, you'll recall. And finally, they were employed gathering up the fragments. No fewer than three tasks that the disciples were given. You know, sometimes it's just easier to do something yourself, isn't it? Nod. Um, It's just simpler. And you'd think that principle would apply even more to Jesus, who could do everything well. But it's quite the opposite. Jesus always involved his disciples. For all their ineptitude at times, their lack of faith, Jesus involved his disciples. And it's a mystery, isn't it, that God is not without his plans, but his modus operandi is to carry forward those plans through people. And we are his people this morning. In what ways are you involved in God's program to bring love and acceptance, forgiveness and justice into this world of ours? God wants to use you and me in his good plans. Men and women, young and old, clergy and lay, all of us are part of God's plans. Sometimes you think, Oh, what could I possibly offer? Others are much more talented than me. But look at the disciples. They were still part of God's plan to carry forward God's program in the world. Okay, what happened next? Well, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, thanked God for them and distributed them to the people. He received this small boy's lunch, said grace, and gave the food away. You know, the word for the loaves most likely means something like a small scone, quite a small piece of bread. And the word for fish is not ichthus, which is the normal word used for a fish uh, swimming in the, in the lake or the sea. It actually means a little piece of dried fish, a tidbit of fish. The words are meant to convey the image of a very modest lunch indeed, a small boy with a small lunch. Nothing extravagant here. But rather humorously, 
um, Andrew says in verse 9, oh, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Rather an Eeyore sort of thing to say, don't you think? Oh, there's this lunch, Lord, but I'm almost too embarrassed to offer it because, well, it won't do much good. Just look at all those hungry mouths. Oh, dear, we're in a right fix, aren't we? I wonder how many relate to Andrew. I think there's a bit of an Eeyore in all of us. Life can get a bit overwhelming. All the people who don't know God in our families, our various social circles, all the people who are struggling without purpose or meaning in life, and a world struggling with COVID and a raft of other things. Oh, dear Lord, we're in a right fix. And it actually gets worse because Andrew had already seen Jesus do marvelous things. Water into wine at Cana, many other healings. Andrew looked at the crowd and was overcome by the need instead of looking at Jesus who was standing right in front of him. We are called to look to Jesus. We are called to understand with our minds and feel with our hearts the enormous riches of God's resources. We are called to look not to our own things, not to our own plans or our own human ideas. We are called to look to Jesus and see in him all the resources we will ever need. And this applies in our parish right now, actually. We are moving toward the sharp end of the beginning. That's the beginning of the beginning of a building program, the strengthening and renovation of our hall just over here. But we haven't got the money yet and the scope is creeping and the costs are escalating. So should we say to ourselves, we just can't do this? Oh, dear, we're in a right fix. We spent all this money on consultants already. What's going to happen? Or do we say... Lord, you have called us to this. We confess the poverty of our faith and our human resources, but this project is so worthy because it's about alleviating human need. It's about literally feeding people. It's about teaching people the gospel. It's about building community. This is worthy, Lord. So, Lord, please provide us with all we need. Look, we have these small resources Please multiply them. Take what we have. We know we will also be involved. So take our meager resources and multiply them. Take, bless, and distribute all that we have so that we can have facilities that will be used to meet the needs of people and to glorify your name. So Jesus used the small lunch of a small boy to feed a multitude of people. A small offering, you see, in the hands of Jesus made an enormous difference. But it didn't end there. This is a very interesting account. And it's worth noting and thinking through carefully because Jesus said in verse 12, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. Of course, that is the very verse that appears within the stained glass window on my far left-hand side in the corner of the church here, made of shattered glass fragments. And it was created after a disturbed person came into our very church in 1987 and broke many of our stained glass windows. They were repaired by the generosity of people, but all the fragments were retained and a special stained glass window was made and it is in here and you can see it after the service. You see, 
If God is interested in feeding a multitude, he is also interested in conserving and using whatever is left over. Don't you find it strange that this reference is even there? It's something that's not quite to the point, or is it? Think of outdoor concerts and sports matches. There's excitement and enjoyment, and then it comes to the end and people leave, and there's miles and miles of rubbish to clean up. Unless it's our own home, sometimes, I know this isn't for everyone, sometimes we tend to think that someone else is going to clean up after us. But here there's a specific mention of Jesus' concern to gather up the remaining fragments of food so that nothing was wasted. Seems to me that having a concern for the conservation of food and of resources is not incidental to the gospel, but is an important part. Jesus is concerned that people have enough food to eat, obviously, but he's also concerned when there's an excess of food to ensure that it is not wasted. And if I can extend this principle for a moment, I think Jesus is also concerned about things like planned obsolescence, uh, things like sealed appliances that you can't actually fix. That's particularly frustrating for me as a person who likes to fix things. I see it's all sealed up and I can't get at it to fix it. Or single-use plastic bags or even people who are unemployed or those whose gifts are not properly used. It's the same principle you see trying to avoid waste in all its different forms. Now, we've covered a lot of ground this morning. The compassion of Jesus, the plans of Jesus, our own vocation as disciples of Jesus, the huge difference we can make if we simply trust in Jesus and then God's concern to conserve resources. But I want to close with a stiff challenge for us all. We sometimes think that the disciples were rather dull. They didn't stay that way, of course. The uh, history of the church shows that they were quite enterprising later on. But right here, a little bit dull, good intentions, but not quite getting with Jesus' program. But can I make the observation that they were there, present with Jesus, being with him and learning from him? What about us? Are we there with Jesus? Are we actively following Jesus? Are we putting into practice in our lives all that we have learned from Jesus? His compassion, believing that God has amazing plans, God's desire to involve us in his great mission towards the world, not being fixated on our own largesse or indeed our deficits, but looking to Jesus to take what we have and multiplying it and being aware and concerned about waste. There's just five lessons from our passage from this morning. Are we taking those lessons seriously? So may God bless us all as we wrestle with these important matters. May God's grace be with us to obey what he is saying to us this morning. Amen. And I need to go to live stream, so I bid you good morning.